We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 11th. I'm Jeff Erickson here, and my guest today is a familiar voice. You may have heard him many, many, many times on our platform. He is John Halpin. Uh, John, thank you so much for jumping on board with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Jeff. This is weird being on the other side of this and not being the host for a Rotowire Podcast. Yeah, you don't have to prep any questions. You just get to talk about what you know. Easy. Yeah. No problem. Easy peasy mac and cheesy. Um, <laughs> as always, our podcasts are sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Thank you, Yahoo, for your support. John, let's start off right away. Before we get into any news, tell everybody what you're doing. Uh, you, I know when where they can listen to you, most importantly. Well, where they can listen to me. Uh, right now, I'm doing a, a weekly podcast with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, for the past five years or so, I've done a, uh, you know, I do a five minute spot on their radio pregame show. I actually used to do a little TV for them when they had some TV shows. Nice. And uh, this year they decided, decided to launch a podcast, launch a podcast network. They 
a lot of NFL teams, as you might have noticed, are doing their own content and doing their own podcasts. And the Panthers decided to roll out a handful of them. And one of them is a fantasy football podcast. And Jim Zoki, who is the guy who hosts the radio pregame show and a good friend of mine, uh, they decided to have him host. They said, hey, why don't you guys do a fantasy football podcast together? So instead of rushing our five-minute conversation on the radio, we do about 20 every week that you can find on iTunes or Spotify or sorry, Apple podcasts or Spotify or on the Panthers website. And now, you know, we're chatting about some Panthers and their opponents, but uh, around the rest of the league, too. Yeah. And when we circle back on the Panthers and that Panthers Bucks game, we got a lot to talk about, including the eight million questions about Curtis Samuel after one <laughs> poor fantasy game. Uh, so we'll, we'll discuss that later. Let's launch into the news. Though. There's a lot to talk about. The injury bug was pretty big in week one, uh, starting uh, with Tyreek Hill. Uh, he has a sternoclavicular uh, injury, joint injury. Uh, the latest on him is he's going to be out four to six weeks. Uh, less concerned with breaking down his injury. We know it's bad. He's going to be out for a while. You're going to hold on to him anyhow because he was your second round pick and your first receiver in most cases. So let's get dispensed with any talk about t- dropping him because that's not going to happen. Who benefits? Well, Sammy Watkins certainly benefits as we saw in game one because. Sammy Watkins becomes, let's say, the alpha in the Chiefs passing game. You know, for he's had injury issues. And last year with the Chiefs, you know, his numbers, let's say on a per game basis, were not that bad. You know, people he he seemed like a disappointment, but he might not have been as disappointing as you think. Uh, Otherwise, kind of hard to tell with the rest of the game now. I, I, I would love to. And I do have McCall Hardman on a couple of rosters. Yeah, I can't say I'm quite ready to start him. In case of this week, and this is a question I might ask you about later with one team I have, but um, he, he's the guy they drafted him basically as a hedge against Hill getting suspended. And for the long term, in case anybody leaves, you know, because he's a burner, he, he seems to fit the same profile that Hill does. I mean, you know, Hill's kind of a special guy on the football field, but but Harmon seems to he kind of slides right into that spot. And then yeah. the Chiefs passing game, it's kind of hard to find a bad option. Yeah, I was just going to say. Absolutely want to, uh, you know, pick up Hardman. But usually when you pick up a guy and you're going and you're making him a waiver priority, you want to use him right away, uh, especially when you're facing the Raiders. You think that <laughs> that's that's a pretty good place to be. You want to ha- have your guys going against the Raiders yet. And I'm having a hard time because even though he was on the field a lot, he wasn't targeted much even after Hill's injury. Now, that might be because it's coming kind of coming in midstream. and They don't game plan for him as much. But. You know, I, I have him at 51 this week in my rankings among wide receivers in PPR leagues. Mostly, I have, him, start him. I have him up higher. I have him somewhere around 40. And I, part of what I'm thinking is that that last week's lack of targets were due to the fact that they were up by a lot of points, too. I mean, true. You know, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But but I think that's possible. Uh, I, I look at them going to play the Raiders. You know, the the implied point total is pretty high here with the Chiefs. He's someone that, like I said, I, I can see starting. I can see flexing him in a, in a decent amount of cases. It's going to depend on what you have. I, I'm not. I, I get the sense that I'm not shying away from him as much as you are. Yeah, and uh, it's. I want to push him higher. I'm not shying away so much as I'm just like. I look at the name of him. I'm like, no, I'm, I'd rather start. Like, okay, here, here, here's one. As a, just try one on for example, Christian Kirk, or, or Nicole Hardman. Kirk got like 13 targets last week. He's playing at Baltimore. 
granted. Right. Yeah. That's a tough one. I, I think I'm going Hardman there. I, I looked at another one. Let's say who's above in certain rankings. DK Metcalf. I think I'm going Hardman there too. So I, and that's close for me. I have four, it's 46 to 51 for me. I mean, these are, and they're, they're close calls. AJ Brown versus Hardman's a tough one. Brown actually produced, had two big plays against Cleveland last week, uh, faces the Colts. I'm not afraid of the Colts defense. I think I, you know, that, that to me, it's a difficult one, you know, and I think a lot of that comes, you know, do we use three receivers in a flex? Do you have, is it two and two in a flex? If it's two and two in a flex, I have a hard time figuring out how to get Hardman in there. I, I, I hear what you're saying. And right now I'm looking at the Rotowire projections. They have them at 43. So, yeah, so. Yeah, three, three in a flex. Yes. Two in a flex. I, I get it. It's going to it's going to be a circumstance based thing for for a lot of people. It's a tough one. Uh, I have to admit, I am so intrigued by his upside. Like, I, I'm looking at one roster I have and I know everybody doesn't want to hear about my teams. I have. I do that. I'm looking. I have Tyreek, actually. Um, so he's out. But I have Evans, Gordon and Allen Robinson. And I know I need to start them over Hardman. Yeah. And I'm already looking at it and I'm saying. I know that I need to start them, but I have a feeling that on Monday morning I'm going to hate myself for doing it. So I'll give you my dilemma. I, I, I've got three receivers, a super flex, and a flex. Uh, this is Brad Evans' Sin City Showdown League, the league we did an auction in, in, ba- in Vegas in July. It's 14 <laughs> teams, too. It's stupid deep. Uh, OBJ, Galladay, I'm, I'm starting them, obviously. Uh, I picked up Terry McLaurin. I stuck my neck out for him this week. We'll talk about him in a second. Kenyon Drake, Hardman, uh, Devontae Parker. Those are my kind of my options, you know, three to make, you know, two to make one there. Um, obviously, if I in FAU's Drake, I'm starting him at flex, as my second flex. Uh, I'm out on Drake and Parker. Are so, you? Okay. So yeah. then it becomes I, Drake, I Hardman, and so, so then basically it's Hardman and uh, my boy McLaurin then. I got to choose between them. Oh, no, no, you get both of them. Oh, I get both of them. There yeah. we go. That's good because that's a tough choice. But yeah, Drake, <clears throat> I feel like I read that. I, I didn't watch the Dolphins game, but I, I was reading something. People were saying that Drake was missed. I mean, he, he struggled. He missed some blocks as well as not running well. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of wonder, you know, it, when that happens, that's that makes a coach mad. And I don't know. The, you know again, I, I didn't see all the plays yet. But um, otherwise, I mean, Parker. I, it's funny. You think, well, maybe he got those catches in garbage time, but the Dolphins are going to be a complete garbage time team for most of the year, I guess. Yeah. Par- Parker's one of those guys that I- I'd rather trust the upside of a guy like Hardman than, than have Parker disappoint me again because I know it's happened so often. And and y- you don't know how much they're going to stick with him even when they're losing and throwing a bunch. Yeah. The Pats are known for taking away your top option when it's the Dolphins. Who do they take away? <laughs> Preston Williams? I mean, is there a punter that's good? I don't know. Somebody. Preston Williams has some game. He looked, you know, he made, you know, at the end of the first half, when they scored their touchdown, he had three catches on the drive. The the touchdown was incredibly acrobatic, getting both his feet down uh, on a play where I guarantee you most most receivers don't get both feet down on that play. So he showed me that he had a little game. Parker made some catch, had a nice long catch early, uh, but I mean, it was was buried in the. uh, muck of that game otherwise but uh yeah yeah you're probably talking me into benching drake here too and the thing is he wasn't he got more snaps than uh, balage but balage had the first two series and drake wasn't interesting i think drake is good still but yeah the the lack of blocking is something that works against him and they are full in dukakis looking like snoopy in a tank mode i mean (laughs) 
it, I like it, that's a good line. Thank you. Thank you. I worked on it. Um, it, it it's, it's really, you know, and he could, I could see him like, you know, screw this. Uh, this is the second coach in a row that I'm kind of having to prove myself for and not getting the time. You know, they did that. They mess around with the depth chart thing. Balazs actually starts this game. You know, Drake is clearly a better player. Clearly. Yes. In my mind. But that's, but blocking matters. You know, check being checked in all the time, like in practice match. I don't know if he, I'm not alleging that he isn't. I'm trying to figure out why two, two coaches have kind of turned against him so far. One is a crazy person in Adam Gaze. You know, he, and, you know, maybe although maybe he's yeah maybe he's not as crazy as we think maybe he really needed the smelling salts for a reason, uh, but I, you know I, I just you know Flores he seems like a normal person to me and right I don't know I, I right now I'm kind of wondering what the heck's going on I agree with you because because Kenyon Drake we we look and we say Kenyon Drake's a better player and why doesn't Kenyon Drake get a chance but again if if coach number two is not giving him a chance maybe maybe there's something. I mean, I don't ever want to be the person who said, well, the coach must know better. Well, yeah, he knows better than me, but that doesn't mean he's going to make a good decision. Right. But I don't – at some point you look and you go, well, no one's given this guy a chance. I wonder I wonder why. It's not just one dopey coach. If it's two dopey coaches, maybe they're not quite as dopey as we think, at least about this player. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, you, you talked me into Hardman over Drake. So, yes. Kudos. Um uh, now I, we'll, we'll see what happens for now uh, that way. But uh, actually, I, I mean, I, I was very happy. I, I, you know, when I when I bought him in July, someone taunted me and said, "You'll be cutting him in week five after uh, Hill gets reinstated." <laughs> you know, I, I good thing I didn't cut him before week one. Uh, yeah, here we are. Yeah, so there I you got go. A wide rec- you have a wide receiver on the Chiefs who's going to play almost every snap. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. Okay, uh, other big. Uh, that was one big item. Oh, this guy named Antonio Brown. The news changes on him every single day, I swear. Uh, it was surreal. Like, you know, I thought it was finally done, well, Friday last week when he had his tearful apology and they said, oh, he's going to play in week one after all. I'm like, okay, wake up Saturday morning. What? They, they took away the guarantees in his contract? Oh, that's going to go well. <laughs> and then like an, like an hour later, he blew up. An hour after that, he had been released. Three hours after that, five hours after that, he had signed with the Pats. I mean, the news cycle this in the last week has been insane. Now, the latest is completely unrelated because the events even happened in 2017. But we're still not secure. We still don't know if he's going to play because of this sexual assault allegation. And I and John, I, I'm a recovering attorney. I'm not. I don't play one in real life. Only in the home <laughs> game with my wife. When my wife tells me stuff about her day, but. I you know I have no idea how this is going to play out. I don't choose to speculate. However, just you have to look at what has happened. There is no law enforcement involved yet. He did practice today, and Bill Belichick said that he doesn't know whether he's going to be able to play. I think that's what we know. Is there anything else that I'm forgetting? That is stuff that we actually know. There's there is nothing that I uh, nothing else that I know of, and I agree with you. It's it's a weird situation. I, absolutely. If you own Antonio Brown, purely from a fantasy football standpoint, of course, everybody, you feel you don't feel as good about him today as you did yesterday, because yesterday you were saying he's going to the Pats. All systems go. This is awesome. Right. Now you're saying, I don't know if or when he's going to play. He might play this week and that's it. He might not play at all. He might play the whole season. I don't know. There's so much risk there. I mean, if you have him, you're holding and waiting 
Right. But otherwise it's, it's such an, it's just such a, a weird set of circumstances around him right now that you, you don't, you know, it from a fantasy football standpoint, if he's active on Sunday, you're starting him, but you have to have a reinforcement ready. I mean, at this point of the season, you're going to have a backup wide receiver who hopefully you like, but uh, you, you need to be ready to pull the trigger. Cause you know, th- this could be something theoretically that, you know, we wake up Sunday morning and, and you hear, you know what? The Patriots decided to move on or they decided to bench him or he's on the exempt list or whatever. I mean, we don't know. Anything could happen. So just be prepared to make a late decision if you want to. Right. Uh, I agree. And the thing is, I, I've ranked him as if I think he's going to play. Um, and I've got him at 24. And that's only because I don't know if he's going to get a full workload in this first week. We've seen this happen before. Guys join a new team, especially a receiver. And they need more time to digest the playbook, get comfortable with the quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, that, you know, and maybe they don't have any urgency. Maybe they're off to a big lead against uh, Dade Community College. Uh, you know, that that's one of the, the possibilities there, too, that maybe he gets 25 snaps. They may be 25 excellent snaps, exquisite snaps, but <laughs> the volume probably won't be there in week two. I think it'll be there soon enough. Chances are you own them. You're going to play them. But because 24 implies that anyhow. There, you know, unless unless you've got uh, you're especially strong and wide receiver, that implies he's a starter uh, in almost every format. Uh, so, but so it, it, I guess it's kind of a cop out in a way to put him at twenty four. It's just the same as putting him at ten if you think about it. But you have to put him in some sort of order, and I, so that's you where do. I've got him. And uh, okay, the, the, what I'm wondering about here, where do be, with Antonio Brown here, where do you stand on Josh Gordon? Like, what do you? He he played well last week. Yes, he did. But now, you know, there's there's only one football and the target share is going to, you know, he's going to take a hit every other Patriots receiver takes some sort of hit for sure with Antonio Brown there. Edelman seems like the guy who might be more immune from the hit. See, I'm the other way around. I, I, I think Edelman's the guy that gets hurt more. Edelman is a volume guy. He's the PPR guy. He is not a, a deep ball guy. He is not a, you know corner round in the end zone sort of guy. He, he He's about get, finding those pockets of spaces, the same thing that Brown does. I think Edelman, it's not, I think they're going to run a lot of three wide receiver sets and it's going to be really hard to cover these guys. Uh, you know, maybe Gordon is on the field less in two receiver sets. Maybe that's one of the uh, ramifications, but maybe it's that every once in a while, Edelman gets a few snaps off now. And that's good for the Pats, not good for us. That's that's true. Yeah, not never good for us. I don't know. I, I was wondering if with Brown as a it's it's not like, you know, the two of them, Brown and Gordon, are going to be going to run and go routes all day. But right. I just kind of had this feeling that the middle of the field would be a little freer and have less congestion for Edelman with, you know, fewer people focusing on him. Yeah. Well, and that he, he might just be able to eat, you know, just eat things up in the middle. Yeah, I guess kind of the question, too, is who eats up the Gronk routes? I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you know, none of those guys are Gronk esque in their stature, uh, but maybe they're more in ter- terms of running routes over the middle. Maybe that does help Edelman a little bit more. I, I think I, you know, I downgraded Edelman in my rankings. That that was my reaction to this. Um, I've got Edelman this week at thirty. I've got Josh Gordon at thirty five. I already had him below Edelman to begin with, you know, but I didn't really move him too far down. In fact, I don't think I really moved him down at all. Uh, but Edelman, you know, was probably wide receiver 20 before I've got him at 30. Okay. So you have Brown at 24 and he's your highest ranked 
Pats receiver this week, this week, when they are a 19 point favorite at Miami, you must have Sony Michelle really, really high. Uh, I've got, I don't have them really, really high, but I've got like three Pats up there. You know, this is one of those nightmare games because they could be the ultimate spread it around game. I've got uh, James White at 22, Michelle at 24. I think I've, I've got uh, Rex Burkhead uh, up a little higher than he normally is, too, just because he was actually their best rusher last week. I mean, yep. I really don't know what to do with Michelle after a terrible week last week. I'm, I mean, I have him in places that I'm going to start him. Let's leave it at that. But and I rejected a snap, rejected a uh, low ball trade offer for him uh, <laughs> in one of my leagues. Someone offered me John Ross for uh, for Michelle, like. Yeah. Okay. You're playing on the fact that I'm a Bengals fan. I get that. Come on. I'm not going to do that trade. <laughs> they had a try. Child, please. I mean, no way. <laughs> and I never use that phrase, but child, please. Come on. No way. Uh, before we uh, continue on with more breaking news, a uh, quick uh, little advertising note from one of our sponsors. FancyDraft.com would like to bring you an important message about Rake. Are you tired of paying high fees to play Daily Fantasy? Did you know that over time, these fees, called rate, can cost Daily Fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As Daily Fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money for players. But change has arrived. Fantasy Draft has changed the game by bringing you rake-free Daily Fantasy. That's right. You're now able to play your favorite fantasy contests without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contest rake-free on Fantasy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free Daily Fantasy is truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on Fantasy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FantasyDraft.com today to take part in the rake-free revolution. Use promo code RWNFL to receive a free 7-day trial. We're back here on the Rotowire Wednesday Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson. I'm here with John Halpin. We have a lot of news today, John. A lot of like practice reports, things of that nature. A lot of injury news. Uh, starting with the Jets, Quincy Anunwa out for the season with a neck injury. Bad break for him, almost literally. Uh, really bad news for them. Uh, you can see now why they uh, made the Demarius Thomas trade. Right. And, and also why they're going to throw the Jameson Crowder, 97 times a game. Yeah, no kidding. He is going to be a golden PPR god. And he already was. 17 targets last week. You know, That's amazing. Yeah, it, it's basically, it, it was a two-man tree last week. I think Robbie Anderson gets more involved as he gets healthier. But, uh, yeah, it was, and, and they, they keep in mind, too, they don't have Chris Herndon right now. That'll change things up a little bit there, too. But it is the narrowest of trees right now, which is useful for uh, Monday night against the Browns. Absolutely. I, I, I'm with you. Robbie Anderson is a, he, he, he was one of those guys who, what was he going sixth round or so during draft season. And he, and he looked like he could be a really nice value there that he was going to make you happy if you picked him. I still think that after week one, I do too. Uh, I, I think, I think that's right. Just, I don't know if I'm comfortable using him in week two, but I, I'm happy to have him where I do still have him. Yeah. The, the Browns are, it's time for the Browns to step up. Their schedule is not easy. They better win this game. Yeah. Or else uh, it's going to be a not a free fall necessarily, but but they could be heading toward a, a disappointing season when you think about where the way everybody was was talking about them during the offseason. I know I was one of those people who thought no way they lose the, the division. And, you know, the, the schedule is, is is a rough one coming up. And this is not an easy game at the Jets. 
That's right. That's right. It isn't. In fact, I picked the Jets. Uh, I, I Jets can't afford to lose this either. You know that they're you know they had some aspirations of being good this year. They like year two of Darnold. They got Lev Bell. He spent a lot, good chunk of money on him. Uh, you figure that they want to see some returns, and they tanked away that game. You know, in, in the ugliest of fashions. Have a new kicker this week. We'll see what happens there. But uh, it, 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 they're in desperation mode too. Your Carolina Panthers are in similar desperation mode. Uh, they have to win this game, division rival. Facing a team that was pretty embarrassed in their own right in Tampa Bay. Yeah, they really do need to win this. It's going to be uh, so people were so excited during training camp watching these guys because it, it was evident right away that Cam Newton was healthy. There was a lot of talk about how well he's going to be limited and all that. And then you see the camp videos in the first days, you know, jacking up 50 yard bombs to Curtis Samuel. And it looked great. Uh, the one thing I'm worried about with Cam from look, obviously, we don't want to overreact after one game. I wasn't too worried about, you know, he missed some throws and he didn't throw deep very much. And, and I think that'll change. He seems to be healthy. The lack of running bothered me. And maybe it was the foot that he sprained in sure. the third preseason game. But it, 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 for, for years here, every year they seem to do this thing where they say, well, maybe Cam will run a little less and maybe we need to protect him. And they kind of hint at it. And every year Cam's Cam and he just runs. If he doesn't, I mean, not just fantasy, but as a real life quarterback, that's what his legs make him special. Yep. And, and, you know, maybe he, this, maybe tomorrow night he comes back out and he runs, you know, eight times for 47 yards and gets a short touchdown and everything's back to normal. I just really hope I see that. Yeah, same. Absolutely. Um, I totally agree with you on that. To the same extent, I was concerned about Pat Mahomes with that ankle injury against Jacksonville. They did dial things down after that. Um, it was a little bit more conservative in offense. He did, you know, from the parts I could see, they had that famous, uh, you know, truck power outage that we couldn't catch a lot of the second half of that game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that they, they did kind of dial things down. They also didn't have Tyree kill for the extent of that game too. So that might've also contributed to a different look in the offense, but obviously even if, you know, he doesn't run as much as Cam, but he had like 250 rushing yards last year. And more importantly, a lot of his stuff is done out of the pocket. You know, he throws really well on the run. You know, his ability to escape is a big part of who he is. If he doesn't have that, then, you know, maybe not necessarily against the Raiders, it will manifest itself like that, but it's definitely a different version of him. Yeah, you're right. And, and hopefully that, you know, the, the fact that they dialed it back and, and a few, and a few days off gets him back to normal because, because you're at that, that addition, 250 yards, it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you add that on top of the, you know, 40 ish touchdowns, we expect him to throw. I mean, it just adds to a, a, a spectacular package. So you don't want to see any of that taken away. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for for the record, he did practice fully on Wednesday. Uh, That's according to B.J. Kissel, the Chiefs' official site. So good news there, at the very least, that, uh, you know, at least we're not going to have the practice concerns. We'll see, you know, Thursday seems to be usually a little bit more physical of a practice. Friday is obviously a very important one, but so far so good there. Uh, speaking of injured quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson, just, you know, he was awesome on Monday night, yep. but he also was getting just crushed. He got hit 11 times. Uh, he went to the medical tent twice to get his back looked at practice fully though. Today, good news there. They say no injury concerns, John, I have concerns. I don't know about you, but I have injury concerns. If he gets hit like that all season long, he's going to be like taking buses to games again. It's not going to be pretty. Well, how many, I don't have the numbers in front of me. How many times did he get sacked and hit? He got hit a ton last year. I mean, yep. I know first half more than the second half though. Right. 
there's a cumulative effect on that right. that, that could hurt. But, you know, he hung in the whole season last year. I mean, all it takes is one bad hit. And you saw him. It was funny with Monday night with his back that he was constantly stretching and, and trying to loosen it up. And it just yep. didn't work. And he still played great. Um, he, he's one. You would think that if he's going to move gingerly, I mean, you know that that the rushing is going to cut down. And that's again, that's why you draft Deshaun Watson. It's not because he's going to throw 45 touchdowns. It's because he's going to run for five and run for five, six hundred yards. Yeah. I follow a guy named Johnny Kinsley on Twitter uh, at Brick Wall Blitz. And he he really does a lot of good uh, focusing on like QB hits, does a lot of screenshots. But every week he talks about the number of QB hits and then he tracks like for the season, for portions of the season. And last year, you know, it was it was that's when I, I caught one of his tweets and that caught my eye and it got me following him. And at that point, like Watson was a metric ton higher than everybody else, like at the halfway point. The second half of the season, they went run heavy. If you remember, they had a lot of games where uh, Miller and Alfred Blue both uh, had lots of carries in games. And they just became – they dialed down Watson a little bit. They still threw a lot to Hopkins. He always got his. but And it might have been out of necessity too because they had a lot of injuries between, between Fuller and Kiki QT. But you know they changed. They fundamentally changed so they could protect Watson more. I think it was after the can't fly to Jacksonville game. Um, that, <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that uh, they kind of changed things up quite a bit, and so. But anyhow, he's a good follow. I recommend it at Bl- Brickwall Blitz, uh, and he, he tracks the QB hits. And to me, that's been, been something I've you know I, I've been more attuned to to see like what sort of pounding is he going to take. He got hit eleven times in week one. Only uh, the the Miami quarterbacks got hit more. Uh, they got hit twelve times by Baltimore. Chicago got hit eleven times. Uh, and it matters. You see that sometimes. Now, Watson was able to overcome it. Trubisky was not. Miami, well, they have other issues going on there, too. On the flip side, Derek Carr didn't get hit once on Monday night. That's uh, amazing. And see also super efficient night. And, they, and the, that's, that's weird. The Broncos' defense just, they didn't look good. No, they didn't. If, if their defense doesn't look good, just that's going to be a disaster of a season. Absolutely. I mean, they'll get better for sure. But, um, you know, Flacco was meh. Really not good. So you, you got to think. I'm shocked for one. <laughs> he's he's elite, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Hey, um, hey, they've got the Bears at home. You got to think that's going to be a big bounce back effort for them. And even if they win, you know that that game. I I think I'm going under forty and a half in that game. Yeah. Yeah, so we—I don't know if you listen to the XM show at all, but uh, every Tuesday, listen, I do guess the spread. Uh, uh, he's already looked at it, but he quizzes me on, it and I try to—I say what I think the line's going to be and what I think the line should be, and we t- talk about a total. And last week for Packers Bears, I said thirty-nine for the total, and he mocked me, mocked me, said, "Oh, there, it would never be that." It was a thirteen-point yeah. game. I mean, it was like, uh, but it, it was like forty-three or forty-four. I think it was. But yeah, I, my my logic was, and the Bears are a fearsome defense at home. Neither team got much play from their starters in the preseason. In fact, maybe none at all. I, you know, and I think they're, you know, it was essentially a preseason half. Maybe the second half would be better. But then there was all these penalties. Just a sloppy, sloppy game. Yeah, it 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 really was. And, uh, you know, it was, it was not a great way to kick off the season. I'm hoping that uh, you know, the, the, my favorite game that I watched over the weekend was I, I wound up watching the fourth quarter and the overtime of Cardinals Lions. I loved it because it was the last game on red zone. Well, you also missed the first three horrid quarters. Yes, uh, they so, were bad. Yeah. So at least uh, not exactly missing that. But uh, yeah, uh, 
you know, honestly, I my one of my favorite games was Bengals and Seahawks. Even though I'm a Bengals fan and we lost by one, and I was frustrated, I was also encouraged. There's yep. so many things that I was happy about with that game. Uh, you know, first of all, 50 se- 52 seconds left, or like 59 seconds left at the time. Seattle's driving at the, in the second quarter, uh, about to score, and Zach Taylor calls the timeout a defensive timeout so they could get the ball back and, and have another drive. Marvin would never do that, never. And sure enough, Seattle scored fine. And it was going to happen regardless. The Bengals also scored. And it was also, and they went back to the well after John Ross had his inevitable drop. They went right back to him, and he hit on that big play. I'm like, that never happened under Marvin Lewis. You know, you know, it's just little things like that. You know, a guy who makes a mistake in the Marvin Lewis era, he gets buried, just absolutely right. buried. And that, well, that guy being Ross every time. Uh, <laughs> you spend the ninth overall pick on a guy, you gotta get past mistakes. When you got so much speed, you gotta just keep working. You know, you can't squander the asset. Right. I, I don't know who I was listening to today talking about John Ross saying that he got he was averaging four yards of separation, according to next gen stats. Yeah. On, on, on his targets. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, he's so the physical talent is so hard to ignore. Yeah. There. He, it, it really was true. Now, Trey Flowers was part of that. He was the corner on that one that they were burning repeatedly. Uh, but there are other corners that can be burned repeatedly too. And just wait till AJ green gets back. He was like, this is the most modern sophisticated offense. He had a press conference today and he goes, I can't wait to play in it. He was pumped about John Ross having that game. You know, I saw other quotes from the sideline saying that never what it used to happen. You know, a lot of buy-in going on there. I like that. I like that the defense isn't forcing old formations. They're going to, they'll go five, two if they have to, because that's our, they're getting their best players on the field. You know, basketball had this positionless revolution. Just get your best players on the court. Football's kind of going through that now too. Yep. And what you're learning with the Bengals is all you got to do is find a guy who knows Sean McVay and you're all set. Yeah. You know, once was a pen pal of Sean McVay. Yeah. Things like that. (laughs) Knew his nanny. You know, things, things. Of there that you nature. go. Yeah. Um, other news items. Juju Smith-Schuster you know, left the Sunday night game with a toe injury. He was limited in practice today. They said all along that was going to be the case, though. I'm not really concerned. Wednesday's often a limited day. You see veteran rest days for a lot of players sometimes. So I'm not too concerned about that one. Friday is obviously the big day. Yeah. And, and it, so looking at that team, it. You try. You were trying to in the preseason identify the number two receiver because you said, "Well, they led the league in pass attempts last year, and even if that'll go down a bit with Antonio Brown, there, there's enough room for two receivers to produce, or, or for, let's say for a guy to produce behind Juju." Yeah. Dante Moncrief appeared to be number two, and he had such a rough night. He had a bunch of targets. He dropped a few. You know, didn't go well. And James Washington got some garbage time, but they just he was pretty clearly lower in the packing order. Yeah, so, I mean, are you are you done with Moncrief, or are you still keeping the faith there? I'm holding him, but not starting him. Yep. Although whoever draws flowers on Sunday, I mean, I, I I'm big on Pittsburgh this week. You know, all things are all bets are off if Juju can't go, or if he comes in questionable, or something like that. Then maybe uh, I'll change my tune. But I actually think that this is going to be Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh big this week. Pittsburgh uh, big. Okay, that's yeah. a good one. They're always better at home. I, I think that Seattle is a flawed team. I know they got Clowney, and that's going to help the pass rush. I think their secondary is awful. I think they're yep. really, truly awful. And I think their offensive line is terrible, too. Russell Wilson was running for his life all day. 
all day. And maybe some of that's the Bengals that that their strength is their front, uh, their defensive line. But this was a bad defensive team last year, and you know they have four linebackers on the roster, four. Uh, so right. linebacker still a weakness. You know Chris Carson got his, but he didn't like tear him apart either. He wasn't gashing him for seven yard runs all the time. Um, you know, he just but and I, I really I, and, and you know Lockett only got two targets, and part of that was because R- Wilson didn't have time. He got sacked I think five times, and he he was hurried a number of other times. You know, his mobility helps a lot, but and, and it, that's always been a story. But I think you go to they go to Heinz Field, they travel across the country. I feel like they're just not going to – I think they're going to be exposed. Now, Pittsburgh got exposed on Sunday night. It, it's weird that I'm going with a feeling with Pittsburgh and using my eyes on Seattle. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I, I feel Pittsburgh big on this one. Uh, you know, I, I don't blame you for that. And and I know you talk about, you know, what you're supposed to – you mentioned what you're supposed to trust. We, we've been watching this league for too long. The Steelers are far from terrible. You know, e- even if they're disappointing this year, they're they're more mediocre than bad. Right. They come home after a bad loss. And, you know, with their not I mean, Owen one is not backs against the wall, but it's not too far away. And, and these teams in the NFL, like teams like Pittsburgh and Seattle, there's not a mismatch there. The talent level is probably pretty close. I, I could totally see Pittsburgh coming up with a big win here just because they kind of ha- they almost have to have one. Yeah. I do think it was funny that the storyline going into Sunday, though, was oh, Tomlin should be coach of the year for the last eight years after seeing well, all that's going on. And then they lose 33 to three. You know, it's like congratulating themselves for ridding themselves of their those two cancers. If there really were cancers, you know, look what he he held the team together except for last year. Uh but, you know, maybe you know, losing that talent still matters more. Did you hear this, the Le'Veon Bell 911 call story? No, I did not. Okay. <laughs> Got to hear it. The way the story went. Now, people, you can, you can think of this however you want, whether it's a cancer or worse or better or whatever. Um, Le'Veon Bell apparently got robbed. These two women were at his house. I knew about that. Yeah. All his he, ice got stolen. Right. All his ice got stolen because he he left them at his house to go work out. And when he got home, they were gone and many of his belongings were gone. And he called 911 or I, I don't know if it was 911 or just a police call to report this robbery. And he was asked to describe the women. Then they said, they said, what were they wearing? And he said, I don't know. They were naked the last time I saw them. <laughs> <laughs> That's tremendous. It really is. <laughs> that is that that is awesome. That, I never heard that. Oh, I, it was, I almost time. fell out of my chair when I read that. That is beautiful. I love that. Like, how do you say that to a 911 operator? I guess when you are Le'Veon Bell, you can say what you want, I suppose. I, I guess, guess so. <laughs> I guess, yeah. World we do not live in for a thousand, Alex. Um, right. There you go. A couple more big news items, actually. And I, I, we're remiss in not bringing this up sooner. The Chargers, uh, apparently, uh, you know, that whole built, you know, leaving San Diego and playing in somebody else's stadium that was built on an Indian burial ground is not working out well for them. <laughs> Hunter and Hunter Henry, the latest injury for him. And I, I, it's sick to see him get hurt again like this, even though I don't have him anywhere. I have 12 leagues, John, 13 leagues. And I don't have him anywhere. Uh, but he has a tibia plateau fracture could keep him sidelined for around four to six weeks is the latest I'm hearing from Adam Schefter of ESPN. Uh, huge, huge injury. A huge injury is right because he was what number six tight end off the board. Yep. And and he was not only was he number six, but after him, there was kind of another. There's a big drop off. Yep. Because then then you were going from 
here's a guy who's probably going to get eight touchdowns to now I need to roll the dice a little on Jared Cook or Vance McDonald or totally go off the reservation and play the weight on a tight end stream them game. Yeah. And if you, and if you won that game and you got TJ Hawkinson, you're just laughing to the bank, but otherwise, or Darren Waller, Darren Waller Waller too. Absolutely. But but yeah, it it was weird because Henry and to do that, you had a, for a guy who missed the whole season last year, you had to pay a pretty steep price. You were drafting him probably round six. So this really hurts yes, if you had Hunter Henry and, uh, and it's going to hurt for a while. And now you need to play that stream and tight end game. And even I was looking at that today. I wound up going for those mid round guys. I was targeting Evan Ingram a lot yeah. saying, you know, fifth round, I can go there because for this year, I kind of I just don't like the way the streaming looks. And this particular week, you know, you look every week and say, all right, who, who's a streamer I can identify? And you look at some running backs and, and I looked at receivers and I got a guy like Hardman. That was great. I looked at the tight ends. I went, oh, man, this is terrible. I don't want to start any of these guys. They're awful. Right. So it, it's it's not a good situation if you're out on Henry because because there's slim pickings on the waiver wire. Yeah. Isn't it funny, though? We talk about players in tiers, right? And there's the clear four through six. It was Henry. You know, maybe not the order is always the same, but Ingram, Henry and O.J. Howard. You know, you could say you get one of those three. Well, you better get the right one of those three, at least. Yeah. You know, I, I know the verdict's not done with O.J. Howard by any means, but he had a really bad game against the Niners. Really bad game. Didn't get targeted nearly as much as we would have hoped for. Had a ball go off his hands for an interception. Had another fumble. Just a bad day. It, it was. And, and this week, um, my podcast partner told me today that last year reminded me that in two games against the Panthers, Mike Evans had was five for 42 total against James Bradbury. Bradbury is kind of a big physical corner. He's kind of a decent match for Evans. Now, uh, it, I would say that if that happens again this week, now you're in by low territory. You're not in by low territory in most cases after week one, but after week two, something like that, I, I think I might be looking at Evans. And speaking of OJ Howard, I, the reason I targeted Ingram most was because I had Evans in a lot of cases and yeah. I didn't want to double up on the bucks. So let so me ask I, you I, this. I'm still good with OJ Howard. Let me ask you this. So we have a lot more information about a player versus player information, receiver versus corner. You know, you've got an elite player stuck in a bad matchup. You know, it's coming. Is it actionable at all? Or do you just have to grin and bear it? Um, the Evans one specifically, let's say, I mean, yeah. you look, I, I think you have to, the corner has to be a lot more elite than Bradbury, even though we've got some evidence that, that he's been a tough matchup on Evans you're starting Mike Evans. I, I, the, the corner wide receiver matchup, I, I get into back, back in the Revis Island days. That's when I get into that. For the most part, the corner has to be really locked down like that for, for it to affect me much. I, even in the Revis Island days, all it takes is one play where he's not matched up against your guy. I mean, right. You know, and granted, you know, and I think offenses are getting better about trying to avoid that isolation. Uh, that they're, they're moving guys around more. They're, they're creating different, uh, you know, patterns where you can kind of get free of that a little bit better. Uh, I have a hard time. I, I just think it's a grin and bear it situation. Uh, maybe I need to downgrade Evans on my rankings, looking at that, that information a little bit there, but, uh, I'm starting him. I'm, I am too. I, I'm just never no, benching no him. Doubt about it. But you're right. Part, part of that. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't apply to a guy like Evans because of, of who he is. And, and, but you talk about moving guys around 10 years ago, you weren't moving a guy like Odell Beckham into the slot ever. Right. And now it happens all the time. So yeah, it's different, but a guy like there are certain guys, guys like Mike Evans who are straight line 
a straight line big guy is one of the receivers who's never going to play the slot. Now, that said, I'm with you. I grin and bear it, and I'm playing him. I'm one of those people who, who said – I think it's – Brad Evans is the most vocal person about saying, you know, st- start your studs is, a, is, is lazy analysis. You, know, you have to account for the matchup. And you do. But for the most part, I'm looking at a, at a top 10 wide receiver against a really good corner, yeah. and I'm going, okay, maybe I could find an argument to sit this guy – but what's the likelihood here that I have two or three receivers better than him? Right. And it's really, really slim. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it's, you know, it's lazy analysis and it, from a definitional standpoint, we include too many players as studs. Yes. That might be the problem. And, and, and you get later in the year, as the year goes on, you have to redefine who your studs are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. After one game, I'm not there though. I might be there and adding guys. I might be saying, Hey, John Ross is a thing. Uh, or, or in my case, Terry McLaurin is a thing. I, I put I stuck my neck out for him this week in early fab. So we'll see. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But uh, before we, we talk about those two guys uh, and other guys this week, a uh, couple more notes, uh, injury notes, unfortunately. Mike Williams sticking with the Chargers. You know, he Anthony coach Anthony Lynn said he's absolutely worried about Williams availability for uh, today. Uh, Sunday's game against the Lions. Uh, it's an MCL injury. Williams did not practice Wednesday. It, you know, it, it could be pretty ugly this week. It, it could be pretty ugly. That's not that, that that's not a great situation there. Um, I don't know. The Lions are, you know, they've got a. That's another team that after after week one, they're, they're not they're not terrible. They're just kind of okay, right? And now they're coming home, and you think they could be in kind of a good spot against a team that's pretty banged up and and playing the one o'clock Eastern game coming from the West Coast. We always need to remind each other about that. Yes, indeed. And you know, it's although the Chargers might be the one team that likes to get away from home more than anybody yeah. else because there is no real home for them. Right. Even when yeah. the new stadium is up, still nobody out here in LA really was wanted them to come here. They're, it's they're, so weird. That's, that's such a weird situation. That I, I know why they did it. And you, you live there, so you know a lot better than I do. But wouldn't you want to get one team settled first? Like you, you, at some point in this game, I, I know there's a big stadium that you can make a lot of money and there's a big pop, you know, population base to draw from. But at some point, don't you just need actual fans? Yeah, well, the thing is, this was not L.A.'s choice. They weren't recruiting them. They they tolerate the Chargers. They said, okay, yeah, if you pay us, we'll let you play here. That's basically what they did. You know, I mean, there there are some, obviously, civic leaders, quote-unquote, that probably are happy about this, and they found a way to make a buck off of this and all that. But there there wasn't this clamoring for really one franchise, let alone two. There are dyed-in-the-wool Rams fans here. There are, you know, original Rams fans that yep. were upset when they left and all that. They actually have a, a fan base. But even then, you go, you, you see a Rams game in the Coliseum, and there's a good chunk of away fans, especially, you know, depending on the opponent. Uh, you know, the playoff game against the Cowboys, there were a ton of Cowboys fans here. Uh, so that, that not a surprise. They're everywhere, but in the stadium even, too. Uh yeah, they, they, no one, no one, no one really wants the Chargers here. No one wants the Spanos <laughs> family here. I mean, let, let especially again. You know, listen, I talk about this all the time. The second generation of an owner family, you didn't do anything to build up this franchise. You just inherited right. it. You know, the the Maras, the the McCaskies. You see this all the time. Where you know, Mike Brown. You know, they're they're just they're just you know sucking at the teat of uh, the their their parents. 
uh, that built this, built the franchise and built the league. They built the value. They didn't build the value. They're just profiting off of it. Don't get me started on John Mara. That's going to make, that's going to make me like, I might have to come on with a list Eli. and bitch about that for 20 minutes. Eli. Right. He's, Eli he's for 2021. Four years. Eli yeah, for 2020. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man, oh. it's never going to end. It's never going to end. <laughs> One more news note before we uh, talk, uh, get a note from our sponsor, Yahoo. Uh, Joe Mixon did not practice today. He's got an ankle injury. Uh, he's day to day. This one was going to be one that we're kind of going to go down to the wire all along. We kind of thought that this was going to be the case. Not uh, definitively in or out just yet. Okay. So not definitively in or out. So Gio Bernard, when I looked Last night, he was 32% owned on Yahoo. I'm sure he's a lot higher now, but but if there's no Joe Mixon this week, I mean, you, you want to hedge. You'd love to, if you have a spot on your bench not doing a heck of a lot, grabbing Gio Bernard right now sounds like a pretty good, good idea with the Niners coming it, in. It does, but here's the thing. Are you going to start him? That's the thing that's kind of annoying about Gio Bernard. Yes. You know, say you're in a standard scoring league and you have two running back spots. Are you starting Gio Bernard when you pick him up? I am this this week. If there is no Joe Mixon against the Niners in a game, let me check the over under on that one. Uh, Forty five, which is middling to low. Um, yes, I am probably starting Gio Bernard because I think he's going to get the ball close to twenty times. Gio Bernard or Carry On Johnson? <sighs> I don't want to bail on carry on Johnson just yet. What? No, he did. He split work with CJ Anderson. CJ Anderson got 11 carries. Damn that CJ Anderson. He messes it up for everybody. Well, and it's not just that, um, you know, it, it's, uh, Jones also getting catches too. I mean, it's just, it's Matt Patricia just doing Matt Patricia things. Now Johnson is his first game back from a major injury. So there are durability concerns. I could see that, but you get a game against Arizona, like feed me Seymour. I mean, I guess 16 carries and two catches. That's 18 touches. You should be able to do enough with that to be viable. He wasn't, though, this game. Uh, it's kind of annoying. I'll give you another one, though. Devonta Freeman or Gio Bernard with mixing out? I, I am worried enough about Devonta Freeman right now that I would start Gio. Okay, again, if there's no mixing, Gio's the guy, right? Gio's going to get all the work he can handle because he he – Catches the ball out of the backfield. He's going to run a lot more. Remember, they just they they just paid him because they like him. Yeah. So uh, I think they I'll did. Gio. I, I I think he if he's the if he's without Mixon, he is probably a top fifteen back this week. That's pretty 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 good. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, you know that that's okay as long as you're there. Then okay, uh, you know, I, and I yeah, I love the talent, and who knows, maybe Mixon's thing turns out to be a high, you know worse ankle sprain than they let on, and it's three weeks or four weeks, and Geo is great, and they, he fits in perfectly with the Zach Taylor offense. These are all possible things too. I love the talent. I you know I'm a Bengals fan. I love Geo. I'm loyal to Geo, but you know you, it, it, I I guess my point is get him, but I, I it's not like you're going to spend like fifty percent of your budget to get him. Get him. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that's true. I agree with you because it's going to be a very short, most likely a pretty short term value. Sony Michelle or Gio Bernard this week? I think I lean Sony because they're probably going to crush the Dolphins and Sony's got a decent. If if there are, I don't know if there are five guys more likely to get two touchdowns than Sony Michelle. Yeah, I think I'm bumping them up in my rankings, by the way. I think I'm getting over my chicken ways and moving him up. But uh, yep. anyways, 
we'll move on from that. Uh, little uh, note from one of our sponsors from Yahoo. The NFL season is officially underway, which means Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has returned. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will win you a million dollars every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18, that means you, John, you can, you're, you're allowed, and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Just slot in you know, you know, a lot, all your giants against the Bills, and you'll be fine, just mm. fine. Low-owned stack. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy. So we've been, been splicing our talk a little bit with some uh, pickup ideas here and there. Talked about Nicole Hardman. I want to go talk a little bit more about Terry McLaurin. It's a guy that I've stuck my neck out on. I used a big chunk of fab in a couple of my leagues, John. First of all, I'm a believer in using a big chunk of fab. Uh, when you see a guy you want early in the season, if you think he has enduring value, uh, especially like on Yahoo formats where you get $0 bids, there's first come first serve after, you know, it's a little bit different than the NFFC where you have a finite uh, fab total. You don't have first come first serve pickups. There are no $0 bids. That's a little bit different. Uh, but in, in football, more than baseball, go get your guy when you see a guy. Yep. And go get him early if you can. Yeah. And so, uh, you have to believe that he has enduring value. I believe I, I believe McLaurin does. Uh, I, I, he, he makes some great catches, uh, not only in just the big play, but there was a, a play in the two-minute dr- uh, drill in the second quarter. There was a fourth down conversion in the fourth quarter. He made a great acrobatic catch. Keenum missed him on another play. It looks to me like Keenum is looking to him as his guy. I don't blame him. I mean, you, uh, think about – you always have to think about the draft investment. They, they drafted this guy in the third round, so they certainly like him and they're going to trust him a little bit. If you're worried about Terry McLaurin, please go search Redskins depth chart. Yes. Yes. Right. And you're going to find such a mishmash of now you're looking at it now and going, oh, man, Josh Doxson isn't even there anymore. And he stunk. Yeah. This is just terrible. Why? Not? Why wouldn't Terry McLaurin be their top receiver this year? Yeah. I mean, there, there's every argument for it unless you want to say, well, maybe it's going to be Chris Thompson which is a different kind of story. But yeah, Terry McLaurin, you know, they, they liked him. He's, he's pretty good. They invested a lot in them. I mean, why can't he catch 75 balls this year? It's not like anyone else's. Yeah, that's right. So I have already picked him up in three leagues last night. I've got more tonight and a couple more tomorrow and I'll be in on him. I actually have him already in the NFFC where we have 20 man rosters. Uh, so that was nice that I preempted my bid. That's always, that's a, a good feeling. Uh, I like him more than Hardman. Hmm. Well, yeah, part of that, part of what you have to factor in there is that Tyreek's probably going to be back at some point. Yes. So you would think that McLaurin has more enduring value. They also have Beyond Kelsey. That, they also have Watkins. They also can throw to Williams. They have sure. better options. In the, you know, Chris Thompson's great, too. So that, that, that Williams and Thompson cancel each other out. But other than, I mean, the Chiefs have better other options. They, they do. And, and with Hardman, I would think that while he plays, maybe the highs will be higher, but McLaurin will be more dependable. Yeah. That's kind of how I'm reading it. That, that's how I'm, I'm addressing it there. So that's my priority this week. Over, over Hardman, over Marquise Brown, over A.J. Brown, over uh, uh, John Ross. I, he, he's my ch- 
top target this week, at least as far as uh, wide receivers go. Okay, hold on. Over John Ross, which goes back to what I said a minute ago, probably because AJ Green looms somewhere. Yeah. Although I do think for, Ross has enduring value. I will say that for for week two, let's say for weeks two and three, who do you want to start, McLaurin or John Ross? McLaurin. Okay. I mean, he, you know, I, yeah, the, the matchup against the Cowboys isn't great, but I just, and maybe that's just the the, the Bengals pessimistic, self hating Bengals fan in me here. That I just I've seen too much of the bad John Ross, I've seen too much of the bad Bengals, and I have to just you know I'm still eye bleaching, still working on that. <laughs> but it's it's bad. It's, it's the life of a Bengals fan has dude, not been. You know, it, it makes me it drives me crazy. I have a my wife's family grew up as Dallas Cowboys fans because my father in law was from Texas. Uh huh. And I, I literally said on our first date, my wife told me she was a Cowboys fan growing up. And I said, I, I don't know that this is going to work out. <laughs> this, is just, this is just bad. Yeah. But we worked it out and everything's great. There but, you go. Um, my, my sister-in-law still sometimes like, oh, they drive me crazy. I hate being a Cowboys fan. I'm like, why don't you go be a Bengals or Browns fan for five years in the 1990s before you start complaining? You know, like, it, can it you name the hard. coach of the last Bengals playoff win? Uh, is it Sam Weich? It is. It is. Wow. Got it. Yes. But that's reaching way back. Way, way, way back. Yeah. Uh, that's my point. You know, the Bills lost four Super Bowls in a row, but they made four Super Bowls in a row. Um, yeah. They had a really long playoff drought. I get it. Uh, Bengals have a playoff wind drought that's longer than anybody, I think. Uh, I, I don't know. I I think we, we ha- we're in the upper tier of tortured fan bases. That's for sure. I think totally Browns, Lions, Bills, Bengals, all these Rust Belt te- you know, towns, you know, they, 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 they're all they're all really tortured. Yeah, it's 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 sad. And I know Ryan Fowler, who was my one of my colleagues at Fox, yes. is a was a lifelong Browns fan. And it's so interesting to, you know, to talk to people who like teams like that because you look and you're like, Hey, your team looks really good. And they won last week and things look great. And they're going to make the playoffs. They go, yeah, they're going to screw it up. Yeah. I'll tell you it's this. So negative. Too. I'll tell you this. Uh, you want to know, uh, yeah, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the worst thing is for me, the dumbest thing at all is the reason I'm a Bengals fan is because my dad was a Bengals fan. I grew up in Indy before the Colts were there. Uh, okay. he is no longer a Bengals fan. He lives in Kansas. He's now a chiefs fan. <laughs> I only am a Bengals fan because I inherited it from my dad. I haven't been to Cincinnati in 25 years. I haven't been there as an adult. Uh, I've never been to a game in the new stadium. Yet I, I stupidly hang on. I, 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 but part of it is like, who would I don't want to be a bandwagon fan, so I can't jump on the Rams. You know, if I hate ownership is one of the reasons why I hate the Bengals. I can't jump on the Chargers. Right. I could pick some other winning team or some other team that I guess is doing things right. I suppose I could do that, but I don't know, man. I just so inertia is why I'm a Bengals fan. Well, but but also, look, you're you're a true fan, and when the day comes, if it hopefully it does, I I, I in baseball, I grew up a Yankee fan, and yeah. when the Red Sox won the World Series in 2004, I watched their fans. I said, I'm never going to feel that. True. Like, I, I have no clue what it's like to suffer for that long. And, and have it turn out right, and hopefully for you it does. Yeah. It, it, it is very uh, 
Yeah, that that's it's so fleeting though. I mean it it really is ever you know, Paul Brown passed away, Mike Brown took over and it's been just this never-ending si- series <laughs> of bad. Not, January 6, 1991 is the last Bengals playoff when they blew out the Houston Oilers. That's right, the Houston Oilers. 41 to 14, Sam Weish versus Jack Pardee was the coach for the Oilers that game. Can you sing the Houston Oilers song? Do you remember? Just the Houston Oilers. Oilers. Houston Oilers. Yeah, of course. Houston Oilers, there wasn't number much one. To it, everybody. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Running backs. We talked about Gio Bernard. Uh, Raheem Mostert's getting a lot of love because of the Tevin Coleman injury. Uh, who am I forgetting among uh, running back pickups this week? I, I bid. I bid $20 in Scott Fishbowl on Raheem Mostert today. Okay. And got it. Which I thought, at, looking afterward, I was looking around going, oh, that guy got him for three? Come on. I hate that. Uh, otherwise, He got Mostert for the Leastert. <laughs> he certainly I, did. I had to do that. You I'm did Just hovering that. like I, an angel. I respect that. Okay, cool. Um, who do I want to pick up here? You probably can't get Royce Freeman. Um, Mostert is the guy I was targeting. I would love to try to make an argument for one of the Bucks, but I just can't. They're 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 so fractured. I did pick up Ronald Jones somewhere. Seventy five yards isn't nothing, you know. I that, know that was pretty good. He even caught a pass. Yeah, even, he's capable. What was that thing that the position coach in this at college said that he puts his hands the wrong way when he catches the ball or something? Something like that. And then the, the either the uh, then he got thrown under the bus by the coaching staff in Tampa last year. It was really ugly, actually. I was kind of like, well, they really weren't. You know, they they were really. You know, m- most people you know are uh, have some sort of tact involved. I don't know, but uh, they didn't at all here. You know, I'm forgetting one. Here's one. There's an obvious one. It's going to start this week. Yeah. He's like 800 years old, but Adrian Peterson. I know. And it's, it makes sense. It makes sense. He's good. The volume's going to be there most likely. They might lose, but I thought they were going to get killed last week and they didn't. Um, I've been writing off Adrian Peterson for a few years and every year he still, once he gets the job and he gets some work and he has a few good games, this coming Sunday, I mean, you know what it's going to be that when he's on the field, they're going to run. And when Chris Thompson's on the field, they're going to throw. But Peterson's going to be on the field on early downs, and he's probably going to carry the ball 15 times. If you're looking for a running back on the waiver wire, I mean, you know, how greedy do you want to be? Exactly. Exactly right. Uh, two, yeah, two more players. Uh, one, if you're for knock on glass, you know, break glass in case of emergency. But Darren Sproles got a lot of work. This, this yep. past week actually was the first to carry the ball for the Eagles. The annoying platoon continues uh, to the chagrin of Miles Sanders owners, although Sanders had a, t- a TD called back. I think he and he looked good on another big run. He actually is the guy I kind of still want in that Eagles backfield. But if you're in a really deep league, a PPR league, are you throwing a buck at Darren Sproles? I don't think I'm throwing a buck at Darren Sproles because he's got to compete with those other guys. You know, Sanders is going to be there. I mean, I'm looking at snap count. He was on the field for 23 snaps. I know he got a bunch of work. But I, I think that I'd probably rather go after a guy like Mostert who has who who has 15 carry upside. You I know, agree with you on that. But, or a guy like Peterson is going to score. And Darren Sproles kind of is what he is. And and the 12 touches that he got, nine carries and three receptions, that's probably a probably represents a ceiling for him or something close to it. That I'd agree with. I'm with you on that. Quarterback, if you're in a, uh, in a QB flex league, a super flex league, Gardner Minshew is going to get a lot of love this week. He, he went for some pretty big bids. 
I got him for 47 in uh, Fishbowl. Uh, I dropped uh, Pick Patrick because he's going to lose his job eventually, anyhow. Uh, I just, you know, it was a July draft. So fine, I had him as my third quarterback. I figure yep. I'm going to use Minshew uh, a decent amount, I think. I, I was impressed with his uh, performance and, and relief of Foles. Yeah, same. Uh, you know, if you're in a two quarterback league, you grabbing anybody like that is fine. I think for this week, Josh Allen was still available in a bunch of leagues as of uh, at least last night. I don't know yeah. about as much this morning. And if you watch the Giants and the Cowboys last week, the Giants have a bad defense and the secondary is the worst part of that defense. And Josh Allen still can't hit the side of a barn pretty much. He's right. still going to run plenty. And, 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 and in a, in a great way, his running is less depending on the coaches and more depending on him. Just, he, he feels the pressure and he's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> so he, he runs plenty on his own, which is terrific. Um, with this matchup, if you're looking for a weekly streamer and considering his availability, I think Josh Allen's it. I agree. I like him a lot. Uh, and you know, he gets that late touchdown it's, it's nice. He's got a better receiver in John Brown this year. I think that that's something also I look forward to seeing. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Finally, a tight end. Darren Waller is gone in almost every league, but if he is, go pick him up. Uh, I'd even pick him up over TJ Hawkinson, who is available in like two of my leagues. That That's kind of the area I'm looking at there. But otherwise, it's pretty grim at tight end. It is very grim. I think the, the two people that I might look at, uh, one would be I, I'm, I'm a fan of Dallas Goddard. And I know where he is in the pecking order. But if I was scrambling for a tight end, he might be a guy I'd pick up and, and take a shot at. The other one, Greg Olson hurt his back the other day. He, yes. he was a full go in practice on Wednesday. And it sounds like he's going to play. He's listed as questionable. Just keep an eye on that. I, I, I would if I was really struggling to fill my tight end spot this week, I would be very patient and wait till seven o'clock tomorrow on, on Thursday night to see that the inactives list just to make sure that Olsen's not on it. Because if he is, then Ian Thomas becomes a really good play this week. Yeah, I like that. I like that one a lot. Uh, before we, that'll be our segue to talking a little bit about this Carolina Tampa game. But quick, a note from one of our sponsors. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Made SeatGeek your go-to ticket source from everything to sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I actually have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I've used it quite a bit of times. Uh, Most recently uh, for uh, baseball tickets, actually. Uh, Dodger game one time and then another time in Atlanta when I was with Scott, Scott Jenstad, a friend of the uh, Sunday baseball podcast, uh, when we were in Atlanta and we bought tickets to a Braves-Mets game when we saw Peter Alonzo uh, discover water in the new stadium in Atlanta there. There are a lot of great events coming up. Uh, NFL season has already started. Go get your uh, tickets through SeatGeek. Best of all, my listeners can get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTONFL today. That's proto- promo code ROTONFL for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. SeatGeek, license an event, we have the tickets. 
We're here talking with John John Halpin. I, I almost call you Jim Halpert or John Halpert. I, wow. I'm sure that's happened. Like Someone's called you Halpert before. They've had two of. They have, yes. Yeah. I'm Jeff Erickson, by the way. Some people have called me Leif Erickson. Actually, I got teachers that call me Eric all the time. I had people call me Eric. I look like an Eric Erickson. What? But yeah. Yeah, Eric's right. son, Eric. It's easy to do. Uh, anyways, uh, we are talking about the... Uh, Panthers Bucks game on Thursday night. You're in the Charlotte area. You do a fancy podcast on Panthers.com. Uh, so you guys can check that out there. Subtle reminder. Uh, let's go back to the thing we were talking about. I think we may, we either brought it up in the first segment or we talked about it off air. And a lot of people ask me about Curtis Samuel this week. And I am not worried in the slightest about him. I think if someone cuts him, I'm jumping all over him. I'm trying to trade for him right now. There is some concern about the route tree he runs and all that. What say you? Uh, I say where you drafted Curtis Samuel, which was, let's say, round eight or nine early in the summer and probably as low as round six later on. I'm not worried either. I I think we need to temper our expectations. Like, look, there were people making, you know, Antonio Brown comparisons. (laughs) And and, And maybe that could happen. Right. Um, I'm not expecting it necessarily, but, you know, he, he's a talented guy and, and he seems he's he's a fast guy who seems to be able to get open, um, you know, runs routes well, things like that. And, and I think he's going to do really well. Just remember that they still have DJ Moore, who they really like and they're going to throw to a lot. They're still going to throw the ball 10 times a game to Christian McCaffrey. They have some decent tight ends. Curtis Samuel is He's probably not going to be – he's going to be good, and at the end of the day, he's probably going to have the production you want. He'll be a little more boom-bust just because of the nature of who he is because he's a speed guy, and he's going to take the top off the defense. And there will be games where he catches 70-yard touchdowns, and there will be games where he goes two for 17. I, I don't think that – you know, I don't want to undersell him by saying that. I do think he's really good, but uh, I, I don't know. He, he's not going to become this number one receiver with 140 targets. Right now, it's it's you're going to have to you can't think of it like that, even if you're hoping for the breakout, it, it's going to be something a little uh, different. I'd agree with that. Um, I, yeah, I, I'd absolutely agree with that. DJ Moore still has a little fumbleitis, a little concerning yeah. there. The second one really wasn't on him. That was really a bad pass, a backwards pass. Um, but still putting the ball on the ground was a big deal in that game. It turned the game. As let's face it, Goff was not great in that game. They didn't move the ball all that well. Uh, they did at times, but the fact is, if it weren't for the, but for those two turnovers, it's a different game. Agreed. And, and DJ Moore, yeah, he did put the ball on the ground. He's going to be, uh, as opposed to Samuel, he's probably going to get more of the shorter balls. Uh, he's a great run after the catch guy. You know, they they love to use the phrase around here. The GM loves to use the phrase that he's like a running back after he catches the ball, and he kind of is. Yep. Um, he, he he's a nice player, and and still. As much as I like Samuel and as much as I bought into a lot of the the hype in the summer, you know, if you if you've got to pick one to be more productive this year, it's going to be more. I mean, Samuel probably has a higher ceiling, but for the 2019 fantasy season, if you're going to bet on one more, is probably going to be the guy. And he's probably going to get more more looks from Cam Newton. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, I'd absolutely agree with that. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Jameis Winston. Ugh. This Ugh. was. Hey, it's Bruce Arians. He should be better. They got great weapons. I bought into that hype. I'm still, you know, like you, I have Mike Evans. I coveted Mike Evans. Only got him late in drafts, but I was happy to get him where I got him. Uh, boy, oh boy, boy, I was frustrated with uh, that that game. Uh, just 
not just the result, but just the watching it. It was just sloppy. Yep. It, it, was, it was pretty bad. I'm still in on fantasy Jameis. And we always say that Jameis is one of the greatest examples of separating fantasy from reality. <laughs> That's true. That, that he's going to put up numbers. And, and this situation he has, he, he's got a coach who likes to throw the ball downfield. He's got a bunch of good receiving weapons, really good receiving weapons, and no running game to speak of. Right. And a bad defense while we're at it. That's true. Right. This is the perfect recipe. If only a really good quarterback was in this situation, he'd be a gold mine. Even with Jameis in this situation, he should still be productive. I wouldn't go if, – if I was a buyer in the preseason and he was on my team, please don't do it. Even if you're in a league where you, know, you say, well, I don't need two quarterbacks, don't cut Jameis yet. Please yeah. don't. I, I think it's going to work out. I agree. That said, I might not start him this week. I think the Panthers defense is going to, well, I, I, I want to start every defense against Jameis because even though I like fantasy Jameis, I know he's got a good chance to throw some interceptions and get sacked. We like turnover Jameis when we're starting defenses against him, totally, especially right? and Jameis on the road, seems especially like a, something you'd want to attack. So I've got him 18 this week. I'd All start, right. I'd start cam over him. I'd start drew Brees over him. Of course I start rivers over him. I'd start Dalton over him. That might be controversial I start rivers over him. Yeah. No. And, and you know, I'm, here's the guys I'm looking at. Well, Rivers. now with Henry and Williams out, maybe I won't. That, that right. does change things. What about Baker? I'm starting Baker over him, but I thought about it. I've got Baker at 15 this week. Okay. Um, I've got Baker right around there. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm still okay with Jameis. I, I've, I've got him right around 15. And, you know, it's not every situation I started, but I'm, I'm not running from him in this spot. I, I, I think – He's still okay. And it's one of those things where you, you can't play fantasy football by saying, I, you know, I, I know I'm going to regret not starting this guy. So start him. But you know, I, I think Jameis is still going to be okay this week. So when I revise my rankings, uh, I do a revision Thursday and another one Sunday. I'm going to be moving Derek Carr ahead of Jameis. Uh, nah. Look I know at he what he's up done. He puts up good numbers against them. I get that. And they gave up big numbers against Gardner Minshew last week. I mean, <laughs> and Nick Foles. I, you know, it's not in KC. It's in Oakland. I, I know. I, Josh know, Jacobs. Don't forget Josh Jacobs. I will not forget Josh Jacobs. Although I won't have to. I, I will temporarily forget him when I'm messing around with my quarterbacks. But, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I just, I, I probably won't start him tomorrow night. Unless it's like my only quarterback that I drafted, which is the case in a couple of leagues, in at least one league, uh, I, I'm not going to go pick up Case Keenum over him. I'm not going to pick up Jacoby Brissett over him. I'm benching Kyler Murray this week. Uh, not that I actually I don't have Kyler Murray, but if I were to have him, I would not be starting him this week. Okay, I, I have yeah, Kyler's at Baltimore. Yep. So I think I take away. You know, you know what, folks? Though if Kyler was good at the other day, but he he had a lot of. There, there was a lot to like and a lot of uh, bumps in the road in that game on Sunday. If Kyler has a bad game at Baltimore, I wonder if you could buy him a little low. Yeah, because I think I think the payoff could be huge. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Could very well be. It's a DFS play, probably yep. not a season long play, but uh, especially because you can get there are other people that will get you production uh, that you probably already have, and you don't have to worry about costs. You already have them. So probably that's true the difference. Um, anything else? Uh, you, you were kind of discussed uh, not taking a chance on any of the uh, Tampa running backs. Um, 
OJ Howard, any cons- any reason not to start him after his, the dud last week? Or are you just still rolling with him because of what I'm he cost? Certainly still rolling with OJ Howard. I know he had a couple of really good games against the Panthers too. Not that we want to go after small samples like that, but um, yeah, OJ Howard, if you drafted him, he is your starting tight end. And I, I don't think one game is, is scaring me away from that at all. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Final score on that game. What do you got? Uh, I got the Panthers need it, but but I don't think the Bucks just roll over. I think it's 27-17 or 30-20 Panthers. Okay. I'm on board with that. I did pick the Panthers to cover on this one here too. So I, I say Panthers by seven. Um, so kind of in the same neighborhood there. Uh, I, I like that. I like that. I think Cam bounces back. Uh, I think he runs a little bit more this time too. I think that was a you know maybe just a you know one more week. Unless you know the one thing about the Panthers is they don't always disclose how bad an injury is with Cam. So that's one thing I need to know. But that's we'll that's true. We're we're gonna see by the end of the first half if he's got two carries. We're gonna know. <laughs> this is also true. <laughs> All right, that's gonna wrap up today's podcast. We thank everybody for uh, listening, tweeting in uh, the Curtis Samuel question. Appreciate that. Uh, Again, please subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. We got the uh, we got got you know podcast tomorrow, the DFS podcast on Friday. Uh, John, it was awesome talking with you. Thank you so much for jumping on with us today. Anytime, I'm happy to do it, Jeff. I appreciate you having me. Fantastic, fantastic. Follow John on Twitter at jhelpin37, and we will uh, be back at you again tomorrow. Have a great day. The headlines remind us daily: the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com